to tell It's gonna be a great Noel It's the Advent Calendar House Muffins, Black Man Smurfs And even Garfield's Halloween We're gonna take a trip down memory Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, sponsored by Mountain Dan's Muskrat Stew, now with 40% less buckshot. We've got a doozy of a special for you today, so I'm begging of you, please join us on a magical journey back to 1986 with real-life Christmas angel Dolly Parton in her own TV movie, A Smoky Mountain Christmas. I am a little too interested in meeting Santa's wife, Mike Westfall, and joining me, because I found her asleep in my secret cabin, it's April Riley. Hey, April. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you for joining me. I forgot this was an hour and a half long. Did you forget or did you repress? <laughs> could, be, could be a little of both. <laughs> and that's without the commercial breaks, folks. This was a two-hour TV block. I don't know how they made this into a two-hour movie. Very carefully. I don't know how they made this into a movie. (laughs) (laughs) We'll find out as we go, I guess. Uh, This aired Sunday, December 14th, 1986. That's ABC's Sunday Night Movie. Directed by Henry Winkler. I saw that and I was like, oh, okay, that's that's something, you know, (laughs) that's really something. I didn't know how I missed that Fonzie directed this. This is the first movie he directed. So he, there's more then. There is more. Uh, you remember that movie Cop and a Half? No. I, I just remember like the trailer of it. He lifts the kid up, uh, pulling over some trucker, and he says, I'm your worst nightmare, an eight-year-old with a badge. I mean, that that does sound along these lines. Yeah. I can see the parallels here. Yes. Henry Winkler liked making movies with children, and he guess he worked well with them because... Uh, I, I would hope he worked well with them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but let's hear your history with this special and I guess Dolly Parton in general. Okay, so I am, um, I love Dolly Parton. Um, love Dolly Parton. Like I have a chinchilla named Jolene. Um, <laughs> right, so like, yeah, I love Dolly Parton. I have loved Dolly Parton for years. Um, so most of her movies are spectacular, like for me are wonderful. Um, we do a lot of um, like her Christmas mini colors, Code of Many Colors. Even the Netflix special that she put out last year, I tolerated. Um, I love her music. <laughs> uh, we like our family vacations, like in her hometown, her home county, Sevier County, Tennessee. Like we go that we go to Dollywood. We're like uh, see a pass holders for Dollywood. So, oh wow, I've never been. Um, it's actually dull. It, it's a lot of fun. We um, are going next summer. Uh, okay, and staying in the Smokies. So have the cinnamon bread. Have the cinnamon bread. Noted. Thank you. All right. Um, But this particular movie, I cannot say I have a history with. I watched it for like, it's always been on my radar, but it's not readily available. And I understand why it's not readily available. (laughs) So I found it on YouTube probably over the summer. And so I watched it over the summer. And it was, it was something. It was really something. (laughs) 
Yes. And then I watched it again to record this, and it was still really something. It sure is. <laughs> uh, the earliest memory I have of Dolly Parton is either her Sesame Street Muppet doppelganger, Polly Darton, or there was this HBO special in 1983 called Dolly Parton Meets the Kids, where she was interviewed by a group of teenagers. Okay. That they promoted incessantly. So I would just remember that commercial every time I would watch Fraggle Rock. They would have this commercial in between. So wait, are you of age to remember 1983? I turned three years old in 1983. Okay. I didn't peg you for that old. I'm an old man. I was well, I was born in 83. Okay. So you're, I'm not that far yeah. below like that that much younger than you, but obviously I don't remember anything from 1983. Right. Well, and that was about the time that my parents had gotten their first VCR, so they taped everything. Okay. Which is why this podcast exists to be frank, but uh, I mean, there's, there's, that's, that's a gold mine now. Oh, it really pop is. Pop that up on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> I, pop the tab, you pop the tab on that little tape, uh, the videotape, and you never have to worry about recording over. There you go. Yep. Next time I'm up in Philly, I'm going to kind of scour, see what they still have left. Nice. Uh, I, there are a few things. A few Christmases ago, my mom ripped a bunch of the specials that she had taped on DVD. So I have two of those. Okay. Um. This is not on there. I remember watching it before, but as an adult, I forget when I first watched it. I feel like someone in college had it on tape, and I thought it was bonkers then, and it's bonkers now. It is. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do have a little story about that Netflix movie, Christmas on the Square, from last year. My daughter knows someone who's in the movie. Okay. You might have heard about her. Uh, She's the one that Dolly pulled out of the way of the oncoming car on set. The like in real life? In real life, there was like so. Like Dolly's a Dolly's a genuine life saving angel in real life. She is a genuine Christmas angel. That is so fitting. They're filming this set, and this girl that my daughter knows and went to school with, like my wife knows her mom. I've met them. They're in this movie, and she almost got hit by like a car or a golf cart or something on set. Dolly like pulls her out of the way, and it became a headline and. When the story broke, my wife told me, did you see that thing about Dolly Parton saving a kid? Yeah. Look at the name. What? Right. <laughs> well, like that, that's like so on brand for Dolly. Oh, She's absolutely. A movie, save a kid, develop a coronavirus vaccine. <laughs> yep. That's Dolly. Uh, and it translates here, too. So it, it's always been a thing for her. But. Mm-hmm. So, so in the Dolly Parton filmography, this is two years after Rhinestone with Sylvester Stallone. And three years before Steel Magnolias. So there you go. Where does it fall in terms of Unlikely Angel? Oh, to the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Unlikely Unlikely Angel Angel. was my um, my benchmark, I guess, if you will, for this movie. Like, is it possible to get any worse than Unlikely Angel? (laughs) And it turns out, yes, it is. Uh, Ten years before Unlikely Angel. That was 96. Well, okay. I was I was thinking late 80s, early 90s. Okay, it has that vibe. You're yes. Right. It's, it's been a while since I've seen Unlikely Angel, but absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but here, Dolly portrays what amounts to a fictional version of herself named Lorna Davis, a country singer overwhelmed with her life in Hollywood and struggling in an attempt to return to her roots to write her next album. 
And we open with the old Disney-style storybook opening in a fairy tale prologue. Once upon a time, and not too long ago, a princess lived in a beautiful castle built upon a grassy green hill. People thought she had everything. They envied her talent, her fame and fortune, and they said her spirit could light up the darkest corners of any heart. But every morning, when she looked down from her castle window at the smoggy city of Hollywood, she knew deep in her heart that something was missing. And then we jump into Lorna in the middle of making a music video for her song called Country Memories, which is a little too rock and roll for her liking. There's a cabin in the piney woods, a winter mountain sea, where the snow is gently falling on the peaceful evergreen. What do we think of this video? It is very, it's very 80s. Like, it, it screams, like, if you were to show, if a kid comes to you and says, what was the 80s like? You show them <laughs> that. Yeah. And they're hearing. This is a very 1986 music video. I was going to say this is the most 1986 music video, but then I looked up which video from 1986 won the video of the year that year, and it was Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. Okay, okay that's the most 1986 video. Uh, yeah, is that the one where... Uh, is that the... No, that's... What's the... all Where they all have the... It's the ladies with the guitars, and they all have the short hair. It might be Don Henley. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, this is Peter Gabriel and stuff's all flying around his face and it's stop motion and it's nuts. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but as far as 80s country music videos that are trying to like break into the mainstream, this is that to a T. And I understand her frustrations and her character here. She's singing about a cabin in the piney woods and country memories while dancing in a jet black leather jacket with dudes in muscle tees in front of a fog machine and neon lights shaped like Christmas trees. Mm -hmm. It's the classic something just wasn't right scenario. And, and she asks to cut much to the dismay of her manager, Ned. And it's Renee Abersonois. Sweetheart, this is what is hot. We are. I am trying to cross you over. I don't know who that is. Like, uh, it sounds so familiar to me. I'm like, what? I looked up the cast. Did you watch Star Trek Deep Space Nine? No. He is Odo in Deep Space Nine. You probably know him best then as the voice of Chef Louis in The Little Mermaid, who sings about Les Poissons. Okay. <laughs> like, I knew the name sounded familiar, and maybe yes. it's because of the Star Now, I'm not big on Star Trek, but my husband is, so I think it was the Star Trek reference. My wife is the bigger Trekkie in the household than okay. I am, but I, I know names and characters and basic ideas, but I know right. that one. Uh, and he last appeared on this podcast in the Smurfs Christmas special as the mysterious stranger who may or may not have been the devil. So <laughs> that's a trip. Go listen to that. It's fun. Uh, here he is, Lorna Davis's manager, Ned, who's trying to cross her over, he says. But Lorna convinces him to call off the video shoot. And while that's happening, we see this sleazy paparazzi photographer up in the rafters taking photos of her walking off the set. And it took me a minute to recognize him, especially because he's got this. I got it right away. Did you? Mm -hmm. He's got this thick mustache, but the voice gave it away when he started yeah. talking. It's Dan Hedaya. Marie's going to love this. Disgruntled Lorna storms off of set. Clueless is one of our favorite movies, and I probably, because it's also my 12-year-old daughter's favorite movie. Um, so 
I, I got it right away. I've seen it so many times. In the okay. Past. <laughs> yeah. No, as soon as he started talking, dad from Clueless. Yeah. yeah. His finest role. But he's great. He's still working in his 80s. Really? What is he doing these days? Uh, the, the thing that I found him in, he was a goblin in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. That's intriguing. Yes. <laughs> the last thing I can really remember him in was, what, Adam's Family? He did Adam's Family. Uh, was Adam's Family before or after The Usual Suspects? I don't know. Adam's Family was, what, 93? Was, uh, Adam's Family was 91. No, really? I think so. Wow. That movie has aged well. It really has. We watched it again this year and last year, and it's just that that's a great movie to watch every Halloween. Mm-hmm. That and I, I'm more partial to Adam's family values for some reason. Oh, yeah. No, because it's the better movie. Right. <laughs> it's like that's like Home Alone 2 for me. Yeah. You know? Oh, I love Adam's family values. Yeah. But here, uh, Dan Hedaya is Harry, a shady paparazzi photographer who tries to sneak up to Lorna's bedroom window that night. That got gross really quickly. He didn't try to sneak up. He did sneak up. He broke into her house. He committed multiple felonies in the process. You're right. He did. Well, she had to let him in. He's got a grappling hook trying to get up there, runs into a few guard dogs who save him the trouble and chase him up the window themselves. While that's happening... She's on the phone with her childhood friend, Mary Lou, who we never meet and we never hear about again. No, except uh, for uh, she left her squirrel stew. Left her squirrel stew. Or, well, did she? I don't think Ooh. that was her. We'll get to that. Yeah, just but calls up her old friend to chat and asks if she could stay in her grandparents' old cabin in the Smoky Mountains. And it sounds like Mary Lou's happy to set her up over Christmas. So she can have a nice, quiet place to get away from the world and reconnect with herself and her roots. And after she's off the phone, here's this paparazzi guy tapping at her window, begging to be let in so he doesn't get bitten by her guard dogs. And I guess because she recognizes him and doesn't want a grisly dog mauling on her conscience, she lets him in the house. I would have I would have lived with the grizzly dog mauling. <laughs> this this part is the first clue that this movie might be taking a turn. There's a lot of yes all men in this. Uh, <laughs> um yeah, it gets so much worse. Oh yeah, like that's that's I think uh, the, the 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 soft intro into yes all men. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so so she goes yelling for her butler Vernon, who takes a handkerchief to grab Harry and escort him out. So as not to actually touch him, which I thought was a nice touch. Vernon is played by Douglas Seal. Do you know Douglas Seal? I do not. Or did you recognize his voice? Mm -mm. Once I say it and you think about his voice, it's going to hit you like that. He's the Sultan in Aladdin. Throw this creep out of here. It will be the most enormous pleasure, madam. Allow me, sir, to introduce Uh, you to the dog. the jacket. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just in his regular voice that he uses here. Uh, and a little closer to home, he was in Ernest Saves Christmas as Santa. Oh, Ernest. I, yeah. I love Ernest. Yeah. Compared to other people, might not. <laughs> no, Ernest is great. And that that movie, is Ernest Saves Christmas is my favorite Ernest movie. I like the Halloween. Oh, the, Scared Stupid? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one I still refer to milk as Miak. Like all these <laughs> <laughs> Well, after that excitement, Lorna quickly packs her bags and gets out of there without telling anyone else where she's going. Accidentally smashes a window with her guitar case on the way out, which will come up again later. For now, 
we cut to Lorna cruising in her friend's old pickup truck through the snow-covered, smoky mountains of Tennessee. She's wearing sunglasses and a shawl over her head, hoping not to be recognized in a very classic Hollywood, I hope no one recognizes me look. But unfortunately, she's cruising a little too fast and gets pulled over by Sheriff John Jensen. And if you thought the guy sneaking up to her bedroom window was a creep, y'all ain't seen nothing yet. No, he gets me. Yes, I'm You look awfully familiar. I, I didn't catch your name. Well, I didn't throw it yet. It's Luella. Luella Durbin. And I'm just passing through, just zipping on down the road a piece, moving on. That's me. Oh, that's too bad. Be nice if you could stay around. I could show you some things that really take your breath away. This probably happens more than men realize, doesn't it? Where the officer pulling you over is hitting on you. Does that happen? Uh, I have never had that happen. Okay, well, that makes me feel better. I also don't get pulled over on a regular basis. Um, I don't believe <laughs> I have been pulled over um, since 2009. Wow, that's a good track record. Yeah, let's not ruin this. No, no, good, keep the good vibes going. <laughs> not well, one would. I saw this scene and I saw him like slicking his hair back in his own rearview mirror. And I'm just like, this probably happens more than men realize. And it's probably gross. Or maybe not. Yeah. yeah, no. Luckily, it's, it's never happened to me. I'm always too, like, terrified. Like, terrified, please don't give me a ticket. <laughs> right. It's very overly exaggerated here, like like everything in this entire movie mm-hmm. is. But, uh, but Sheriff John is played by Bo Hopkins, and Wikipedia tells me he's best known from the movie Midnight Express, which I've never seen. But if I did, I'd probably just recognize him from this. Right. Because I didn't, uh, rec- yeah, I didn't recognize him. Yeah. Uh, admits Lauren is not guilty of any crime besides a little swerving back there. So she pieces out of there swiftly but legally. And now we've come to the part of the story where Dolly Parton and whoever else, whoever else helped write it said, all right, time to get weird. This is like, you see that shark? Let us jump over it. <laughs> Sheriff quickly turns around to find a woman in a long black cloak on horseback. Jezebel. Jezebel, we quickly learned she's a, quote, witch woman, because sure she is. What were you doing there, John? Oh, just somebody passing through. No, she's up to something. She's got magic. Will you cut that magic stuff out? Now, I got you out of trouble the last time, but... Don't give me that. Last time that woman deserved everything she got. And Jezebel is played by Anita Morris, who was Danny DeVito's mistress in Ruthless People. If you've seen Ruthless People. Um, I have, but like I knew more of her uh, Broadway background. Okay. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yes, that, that'll, that'll do it. So Jezebel is not happy about catching her sheriff sweet-talking that woman in the car. She claims she's up to something. She's got magic. Mm-hmm. The sheriff tells her to knock it off with the magic talk and tries to explain to Jezebel whatever they had going on in the past is over. And she cuts him off. And it's just I I love Jezebel in this entire thing because because you are mine and you will be mine forever. It's not just like you are mine and you will be mine forever. She was. uh, Yeah. If you were unsure of which way this movie was going with the creepy paparazzi, like breaking and entering this like cements that we are on a ride. Oh, yeah. This cranks it up to 11 and beyond. It's just right. Sheriff goes to get back in his truck. The truck won't start because apparently witches can do that. 
gives him one last warning and rides off and then the truck magically starts. So yeah. She's definitely a witch. She's not just crazy. This got really weird really fast, but I kind of love it. And meanwhile, back in Hollywood, we find a different set of police at Lorna's mansion because she told nobody where she was going and left that smashed window. So everybody thinks she got kidnapped. There is one person who knows where she's going. Yes. And we'll catch up with Harry later. He uh, we'll see him later in a phone booth because remember phone booths. I'm out of paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I still like to point my chum, point them out to my children as relics. Yeah. <laughs> We used to go in there to make a phone call. That's right. You had to pay for it, too. To pay for right. It. We actually made phone calls. It wasn't just like yep. you know, texting. We recovered that grappling hook. Evidently broke in the window, took her car, and they're off to the races. I don't want to hear this. You're telling me that you are positive that she was kidnapped? It sure looks that way. The police lieutenant on scene here is played by Carl Franklin, who was in that ALF Christmas special as the doctor to the little dying girl. Mm, that was the yeah the, yeah the depressing elf yep he's the one who brings in yes virginia there as a santa claus didn't think i'd see him again but hey carl franklin but a little less depressing this time around yes <laughs> uh her manager renee abergenois is also there comments she could be trapped in the lowest foulest slimiest pit on the face of the earth and we immediately cut to a beautiful mountain cabin where Lorna will be spending Christmas. A plus hard cut. Right. Have you ever been to the area where Dollywood is? Like, no, no. Okay. I, uh, only place we've been in in Tennessee is Nashville, which is not this. OK, so it is. I, I mean, it's not as uh, wildernessy as they make it out in the movies, but it is. It's easy to be very isolated, even within a, 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 a like a well-populated place. OK, it is a good place to actually get away from it all if you need to. It is. It, it okay. absolutely is. Like we get a cabin nice. every time and the way the roads are, they just your cabin. You might be 500 yards from another cabin, but you don't you don't realize it. Oh, wow. Nice. Uh, and it looks like her friend set it up nice and cozy for her, including we mentioned a warm pot of squirrel stew. Mm. And it's just no, it's it was normal. She was just like, oh, look, squirrel stew. Like yeah. here, you know, here it is, this movie or a uh, music star. And it's like, oh, a nice pot of squirrel stew. Well, like, she's I getting figure, back to her roots. It, well, I figure like even if my roots included squirrel stew, if I get if I hit a big like I am moving far, far away from squirrel stew for the rest of my life. <laughs> so you have never eaten squirrel either? I have not eaten squirrel stew. And I can promise you, you no. won't find any menus in Sevier <laughs> County, Tennessee. <laughs> uh, but she's exhausted, goes right to bed, and we cut to her asleep that night when the thought-to-be vacant cabin's current occupants return home. It's a group of seven young children who walk in and find a beautiful woman asleep across their bed. And surprise, everyone, the Dolly Parton Christmas movie is now Snow White. I, yeah, it took me way too long to figure out the theme of this movie. Like, at the end of this, my husband was like, you realize it's Snow White? And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, no. You, oh, as soon as they all came in and I realized there are seven of them. She, yep, we're doing Snow White again. I never stopped to count the children. And I was like, what, seven ah. children? He's like, yes, there are seven <laughs> children. Color me shocked. The youngest of these kids, a little girl named Mary, proclaims, I know who she is. 
She's the angel. Not an angel, the angel. The Christmas angel. The Christmas angel. We, we don't get to find out exactly what she means by that, because this is where we cut to commercial. Did yours have commercials? No. Okay. It just, it, but it has those the, little, the cut. it kind yeah. of zooms out into the storybook. Okay. And is it where the, the pictures like get put in the storybook or is that different? Yes. Okay. And when we come back, Lorna's talking with the kids, asking them where their parents are. And we get the dismissive, oh, they're on a trip. I'll spoil it now. They're dead. Uh, and these kids have been fending for themselves since. And it's just a natural occurrence to Lorna. Yeah, well, it, nothing odd about these kids in the woods. Well, she doesn't want to be found out any more than they do. So they kind of make an agreement not to tell anybody about each other. But at some point, like the adult in you kicks in and you're like, I just don't feel like this is a good situation for children to be in. Yeah, I feel like her thought process in this is like, we will figure out what to do with y'all after Christmas. For now, let's lay low. Right. Her privacy, her quiet time is is more important than where these children belong. And- yeah, <laughs> yep. Uh, but let's meet the kids. I'll I'll go youngest to oldest because uh, starting with little Mary, played by Ashley Bank, who's also little Phoebe from the Monster Squad. That why does this sound familiar? Have you seen the Monster Squad? I haven't. Oh, you need to watch Monster Squad. Okay. Oh, it's so fun. But she's like the little sister. To, to the boys in that movie. Okay. Uh, we have Buster, a tiny little boy with long red hair, played by Micah Rowe. A beautiful angel. Who was also on an episode of Beverly Hills 90210 as little Spencer Scanlon. You might remember his older brother, Scott, who accidentally shot himself. Oh, yeah, the one with uh, Brian Austin Green. He was like, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I, I never watched that show. That is like the only clip I remember of that show yep. at all. So he's that kid's little brother in that. Nice. OK, that's very obscure. Uh, next, we have Jasper, the one kid I immediately recognized. It's tiny baby Danny Cooksey. Personally, I don't believe in angels. But after seeing you, well, walks like a duck, talks like a duck. Very pretty duck. Maybe you are an angel. Now, you are quite the little philosopher, ain't you? I don't Do you know? <laughs> did you watch Salute Your Shorts? I did watch Salute My... Yeah, back in uh, Nickelodeon back in the day. It's Tiny Budnick. Oh, no. Now you see it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Danny Cooksey is also famous for being the voice of Montana Max on Tiny Toon Adventures. Okay, I remember. Like, this is all... Very 90s. <laughs> yeah. So this is him a few years before. He hasn't quite okay. hit puberty yet, and he's little. But he's uh, he spends the entire movie flirting with Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. Can't say I blame him. <laughs> and he's not rude about it. Uh, just kids got moxie. Mm-hmm. You got to shoot your shot. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Uh, in the middle, we have String Bean, who's the only black kid in the group. Right. He's a friend of the siblings. They took him in as one of their own. We'll just make believe you're a regular person. But I am. String Bean is played by Mark D. Robinson, and this is his only credit on IMDb. Hopefully he's doing well. Yeah, I hope so, too. But he did fantastic in this. Uh, The only other sister, Cindy, is Jenny James. She's beautiful. And it took me a minute, but I eventually recognized her. April, have you ever seen the Hug-A-Bunch movie? No, I have not. I have not heard of the Hug-A-Bunch movie. Oh, do you know what the Hug-A-Bunch was? 
No. They were these little stuffed toys. They looked like little dolls. They were plush. Uh, I thought they were very creepy, but they were a thing around 1985, and they had a TV movie that was bonkers. Okay. My wife loved that movie. It's got a subplot of, hey, kid, your grandma's getting old, and we're putting her in a home. Oh. And, and then, like, she wit get whisks off to Huggaland to find a cure for old age. To make her younger again. It's it's so that's, nuts. Uh, that sounds a lot like the Elf Christmas special. <laughs> yeah, it's got parallels. Oh, go find the Hug-A-Bunch movie, people. Uh, well, uh, we have Fred, the second oldest. Mary says they call him Beef because he's so big, which, great, way to fat shame your brother. Mm. And then no one ever calls him Beef again in this, so I don't know why that line is in here. There's a lot of... Things that you're like, I don't know why this is in here. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Where are your parents? Well, they, um... They're on a trip. Yeah, that's it. Fred is played by Daryl Bartley, who was on the show Small Wonder as a nerdy kid who's got a crush on Vicky. Vicky! Yeah! Yes, I remember Small Wonder. Yeah, yeah that was that. I The robot sister. Uh, Yes. And now Daryl Bartley is a visual effects artist who's worked on Avatar, Life of Pi, and Prometheus. Hmm. A little behind the scenes action. Yeah. Uh, and finally, the oldest brother, Jake, played by Chad Sheets, whom I recognized as one of the kids in Meatballs Part 2. Now you can stay and have supper if you like, man. It really smells good. We don't have to ask you to leave. And if you don't, we'll just have to call the police. I unfortunately have some sad news about Chad Sheets. He died at age 26 of colon cancer on Christmas Ooh, Eve. That's awful. Oh, that's yeah. even worse. Yeah. Yeah. So like 26 colon cancer Christmas Eve. That's yeah, that's a rough one. Rough trifecta. But uh, here he is, Jake, the closest thing to a father figure these kids have. He's in like his early teens, I'm guessing. And he's very cautious about Lorna. Doesn't warm up to her as quickly as the others. He's got abandonment issues. Sure. He does invite her to stay for supper and spend the night. But after that, he says, we're going to have to call the police. Uh, in the cabin that you're breaking and entering. <clears throat> right. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is not your cabin, child. Yeah. yeah. This is where uh, she makes the kids a deal. She won't tell anyone they're there without any parents as long as none of them tell anyone she's hiding out there. And then they'll figure out what to do with the kids after Christmas. I feel like there was like more solid ground that she could have stood with them. But I guess that's one way to do it. Right. Uh, but here's also where Mary explains right before their mama, d I mean, went away. She said an angel would come down to take care of them all. And Lorna has to gently explain she's not an angel. She's staying until after Christmas and then they'll figure something out. And then Jake spends a good bit of the next hour warning Lorna not to get the younger kids hopes up. And that leads her coming up with a song on the fly called Look on the Bright Side. But together we can build a better future. If we care enough, I know we'll make it work. So look on the bright side, be on the right side. Yeah, that was one redeeming part of this. Was it had some solid solid tunes in it. They do, and unfortunately, none of them got released officially no uh, you know she she had that christmas album that she put out with um kenny rogers that i really feel yeah. like 
could have could have made a couple of these could have made cut. Yeah, these are really nice songs. And the conceit of most of them is that she's reconnecting with the creative side while she's away. And you'd like to think these songs might get released on a soundtrack. Nope, we never got one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found a- I found a fake one floating around the Internet. Someone selling it for close to like thirty dollars on a CD with a cover that's clearly been edited in like Microsoft Word. And printed on like your HP printer with a fake barcode, and the track list is pixely Times New Roman. Oh no! And the disclaimer: tracks may contain dialogue and background noise from film. Someone just ripped the audio from this and cut up just the music part. <laughs> they recorded it on their phone on their computer. And they're trying to sell it on the internet for thirty dollars. Hey, I mean times are hard, man. <laughs> Don't pay $30 for this. No. It's a ripoff. It's a a bootleg. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, right about here, we get a few quick scenes to move the plot along. One is Harry talking to his boss on the payphone. He had taken a photo of Lorna's notepad with directions to the cabin scribbled on it, so he knows where she is. Which is uh, not believable at all. There, so backstory to oh. Dolly Parton's like childhood cabin, where she was actually from, like mm-hmm. in the mountains. There are directions to get to there online that were published in like 1986 by her uncle. Oh, but I can't figure them out. Like even being familiar with the area, you can't figure them out. So like I'm like questioning the scribbled notepad. Like, <laughs> oh, you're not finding anything up there, buddy. Nah. Hang around all here. Like, I guess if you're local, you can figure it out. But everybody else trying to, like, stalk the cabin. Nope, not happening. It's a local secret. And the next scene is back at the cabin at nighttime when the kids notice a mysterious man on horseback. They called Mountain Dan lurking outside the house. This is the part where my husband walked up, like, as I'm watching this movie. And he's like, who's that? I'm like, it's Mountain Dan. (laughs) And he's immediately interested. <laughs> right? That'll, yeah. Mountain Dan. He was like, it's Lee. Is that Lee Majors? <laughs> yep. But before we see that it's Lee Majors, uh, all we see is like his shadow and the kids are like, they say he eats kids and uses their bones as weapons. And they give poor Fred the line with just my luck. I could be two meals. Y'all come mm-hmm. on. Beef. Poor beef. Poor beef. Lorna calms the kids down by having them imagine what they would do if they were at the North Pole, starting with Jasper, the little ladies man, who, of course, says, well, I'd like to meet Santa's wife. Mm -hmm. Lander. And this leads us into another song uh, for the kids about spending Christmas with Santa. Oh, I'd like to spend Christmas with Santa this year. Help him bring joy and cheer to And then we cut to the next morning and Mary's got a bad cough and Lorna decides she better take her to the doctor despite some protest from the others. And the lack of insurance and the fact that she's not a guardian. It's just all so natural. Yeah, well, it's a town in the middle of nowhere, so. Mm -hmm. But she stays good to her promise not to tell anyone in town about the cabin in the woods full of orphan children. Turns out the only doctor in town is pulling double duty as the only veterinarian in town, so the waiting room's full of animals. I mean, it's a solid business plan. Oh, yeah. 
And the good doctor is played by Rance Howard. I couldn't help but notice that you got more four-legged patients out there than you do two-legged. Are you a vet? Uh, yes, I am. Fought in World War II, 23rd Battalion. <laughs> and then I went to med school and vet school. Go flat broke out here in the country just tending the two-leggeds. Father of Ron and Clint Howard, for the unfamiliar. Oh, okay. You can, yeah, you can see it. Grandfather of Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he used to show up in a lot of Ron's own movies. Probably still okay. does. Uh, he's he's a timekeeper in The Grinch. Okay. Um, is he still alive? Is he still alive? Nope, died in 2017. Um, rest in peace. Yes. My favorite part of this scene is a couple of 4-H kids in the waiting room after learning Mary's got a cold recommend. Change your feed. Change your feed. That's good advice. Where'd you boys get so smart? 4-H. Ouch. <laughs> Were you in 4-H? I was not. No, no I, grew, I didn't grow up in a rural enough area. No, sure. I was also too suburban. They had 4-H fairs close enough to where I lived in New Jersey, where we would go to them sometimes, like... Especially as an adult, my brother's band would play at them. <laughs> but so there's a uh, depending on where you're at or where you there was a dairy farm somewhere in South Jersey near near like Mount Laurel. Okay, yeah, Holly yep. area, and that I, yep. I saw a cow be born there once. So if that counts for four H, <laughs> yeah, nope, that would be four H. Okay. That's my foray in 4H. Okay. <laughs> Albert in New Jersey. Uh, I lived near Clementon Park, if you're familiar. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, after leaving the doctor, Lorna runs into the sheriff again, who has to get all up in her business with, I know everyone in town. Who are you staying with? Hmm. He lets him go and heads into a bar. And hey, Harry's arrived in town and he heads into the bar, too, where he has a chat with the bartender about lending him a four-wheeler so he can navigate the mountains. You know, I'd be real careful if I was you uh, driving around these mountains up here in this time of year. You're telling me. I nearly didn't make it up here. Yep. You're going to need a four-wheeler. And I bet you're just the one that's going to rent it to me. Yep. And the bartender is played by Claude Earl Jones, who is also in an episode of Seinfeld as Jerry's high school gym teacher who officiates a race match between Jerry and his old rival. If you remember Ooh. the race episode. I've, okay, so Seinfeld wasn't my jam. Okay. I have never watched like a full <laughs> Seinfeld episode. And that's, I think, I'm pretty sure that's a pretty famous episode. It's one okay. that stands out to me. I haven't watched all of them, but that's one that I can remember off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, and also making an appearance in the bar is Jezebel, who gives the sheriff another talking to and shatters everyone's glasses in the place with a flick of her finger. They're drinking glasses, they're beer glasses. And then just leaves and everybody reacts like, no, not again. Like, this is right. a regular thing. Right. Should have gotten Even the bartenders are like, I knew I should have gotten plastic cups. <laughs> right. Smoky Mountain Christmas starring Dolly Parton will continue. Your trip to the Smokies really isn't complete Unless you visit Dollywood and share a family treat It's a magic place, good times for everyone So come on out, enjoy a day of Smoky Mountain fun See your favorite music stars, meet my family And discover traditions that used to be Get away to Dollywood, it's homespun fun In the heart of the Smokies, five miles north of Gatlinburg and now, Smoky Mountain Christmas continues. Back at the cabin, Lorna and the kids are decorating a Christmas tree they must have cut from outside. 
She has a moment where she tells Cindy how pretty she is, and she finds some pictures she's drawn. And Cindy's not very confident in her looks or her talent, so Lorna plays her a song called Pretty Is As Pretty Does. When you look in the mirror, I just wonder what you see. And sets her up a little room. Yeah, sets her up a little room. I want to talk about this scene for a little bit because part of this is she's helping Cindy try on one of Lorna's dresses that she's making her for Christmas. And she helps her hang a blanket in front of her bed, presenting it as making Cindy her own room. So that that like that does have a backstory. When you go to Dollywood, the there's a replica of the cabin that she grew up in in Sevier County. And I don't know how they produce 12 children in a cabin that small. <laughs> like not how they fit them in, but like where they produce twelve. It's literally like the size of my bedroom and my sitting room. It's so small, and it's one bedroom. Like they had a bed, and it's like where did you put them? Where did you make more of them? Right. Um, yeah, and so like all she got in terms of a room was just hanging a sheet in a corner. Yeah, and she tells a version of that story here, but. I feel like this is a very thoughtful scene that might have gotten lost on some people who've watched this. Here's an adult woman looking out for the oldest girl in this family of mostly boys, and she's going to need her own space as she gets older. So I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I just think it it ties into if you know enough about her, it ties into, you know, because I know she had sisters like she had mm-hmm. three or four, but I think she had majority brothers. Like she had a youngest sister and then she had the old one of the oldest kids was a sister. Okay. But I think there were a lot of brothers in that family. Okay. Yeah, definitely a lot of parallels from what I know about her life growing up. She tried to embed into this story. So so it fits very nicely here. Mm-hmm. And now let's get weird again. Lorna. Because that night Lorna hears someone calling her name from outside, and it's Jezebel. Can you hear me? Who puts her under this trance and makes Lorna follow her through the woods to some river rapids. But just before Lorna's about to zombie walk right off a cliff, she's rescued by Mountain Dan and it's Lee Majors. It's okay. Don't say a word. Just drink this. Why? Because it's good for you. Because I said so. The six million dollar man himself. <laughs> the only... So I don't know a lot about Lee Majors. Except for Scrooge, where he's at the, yes. you know, like, he, yep. <laughs> so my husband's like, oh, you know, Lee Major's from whatever he said. And I was like, oh, you mean from Scrooge? She's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to come back to Scrooge a little bit later. I just want to burn, like the, the movie, you know, the movie trailer they show at the beginning of Scrooge. Yes. <laughs> no, he, he was the $6 million man, Colonel Steve Austin. No relation. Dude, yeah. Just don't get him confused <laughs> with Stone Cold Steve nope. Austin. <laughs> Uh, Lorna wakes up surprised and Mountain Dan hands her a tin cup and tells her to drink it, quote, because it's good for you, because I said so. Mm. Not selling me on it, Mountain Dan. I mean, he sold her. <laughs> yeah, well, and she recognizes the drink as wild root herbs. Uh, and it turns out Dan knows who Lorna is, explaining he just lives in the mountains, not another planet. Mm-hmm. 
nobody else in town knows who she is. No. But apparently Mountain Dan can get like Cosmo or people or whatever they had back then. Well, that does get explained later, too, now that I think about it. But for now, he explains he's been keeping an eye on the kids from afar for the last six months after they escaped from a children's home. And Lorna invites him to come meet the kids for real the next day while they decorate the cabin for Christmas. And sure enough, he shows up the following morning and Jake greets him at the door with a shotgun. But it's little Mary who orders Dan to come in and watch your step. Open that bag real slow. I think Mary's my favorite. Yeah. It's okay to have favorites if they're not your kids. It's okay to have favorites if they're <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> well, Dan does as he's told and in his bag is a fruitcake. Mm. Lorna finally gets up and explains she invited Dan there and he's okay. We cut to that night as everyone's decorating and Lorna sings our title track. I'm dreaming of a smoky mountain Christmas With the kids around the fireplace stringing popcorn for the tree The audio of the song is studio quality, but it's no good ripping it straight from the movie because they all talk to it. Dan gets equated with some kids during the verses, so... So, but if you do spend $30 on the bootleg CD, you'll find this out yourself. Yeah. With the talking in the middle of it. It's just so frustrating that they have this studio quality song somewhere and we can't have it. We may never, like, it, it may have been lost to time, you know, 35 years later. Maybe. All I want for Christmas is this song without the background noise. Right. <laughs> like, maybe they're saving it in a vault somewhere for, you know, heaven forbid. When her day comes, I don't even want to think about it. Um, you know, they'll release 16 albums after her. There we go. Posthumous. Yeah. Yep. Posthumous, like lost or rarities, things like that. Right. Like, I think they I know they did it with Nirvana. And oh, sure. I think they did it with Prince, probably Michael Jackson, you know. They, yep. Yeah. So someday. Uh, but the background noise here has some good bits. Uh, Jasper's quick to tell Dan she's spoken for, you know. And he starts doing push-ups. <laughs> Uh, but Dan does manage to warm up to Jake, of all people, by showing him some knots he can use for animal traps. And then Lorna invites him back for Christmas dinner the following night. Or the night of Christmas, not the following night. And now let's catch up with Harry, who's rented a ride from the bartender, who couldn't get a truck, so instead he hooked him up with a donkey. Hmm. The, all the horses were spoken. I guess so. Uh, Mountain Dan's horse and yep. Jezebel's horse. Yep. Those are the only horses we see in this. Right. Uh, but Harry immediately gets lost in the mountains and starts praying out loud, promising God if he gets him out of this, no more gossip, no more lies. Just give him a sign to help him out of there. And it's probably not a sign from God, but here's Jezebel again. This is the part where she screams, silence, said Harry, and it's so great and so dumb at the same time. You're a friend of hers. Friend of who? You know very well who. The one whose very life's breath makes me rage with anger. Whose eyes I would pluck out. Whose heart I would tear asunder. I don't know who you're talking about. Silence! She put some spell on the donkey to make it buck Harry off and run away. So now he's alone in the woods. Again, pleads the God to let him okay. at least survive the night. I think here's the, the wolf howling. The wolf howling. Yeah. yeah. Yes, because he says, like, come on, it's Christmas. 
And then some nearby fog lifts, and at first I think it's Lorna's cabin, but it's not, it's Mountain Dan's, who politely lets whoever's at the door know he's got a gun, lets him in, offers him something to eat, which turns out to be muskrat stew. With buckshot. With buckshot. Uh, have you ever had muskrat? Um, no, like I, I don't even know what muskrat is. Like I, the only reason I know, I, like I know of a muskrat is because of that Full House episode, like early, early Full House, where like <laughs> Jesse's ex girlfriend comes back, and it's like they're talking about muskrat love. Which is apparently a <laughs> yeah. That's the only reason like muskrat sticks out to me. But other than that, I have no idea what a muskrat. Oh, uh, it looks. Kind of like a woodchuck almost. It's a, it's okay. a, yeah, or like a vole or a lemming or the, it's a rodent, a very okay. large rodent. Apparently, they are popular in very South Jersey, like on the Delaware River. There is a town called Lower Alloways Creek, New Jersey, that holds an annual muskrat dinner that goes back over 80 years. Oh, okay. I saw this on Atlas Obscura, so that's in the show notes. Okay. Yeah, they do seem pretty, uh, they're native to North America. They are you, native They were introduced in a lot of like Siberia and Russia and in that area and Europe. Interesting. But they're native to North America. Well, all right. Anyway, Harry explains he's looking for Lorna, admits he's a tabloid journalist but also tells Dan every cop in the country thinks she's been kidnapped. Mm. Cut to next morning, it's Christmas Eve, and the kids, after a family meeting, have decided they want Lorna to be their new mama. Which is sweet, but she gives us a needed reality check in the middle of the Christmas witch magic story. Right, right, right. Like, you might as well just run with this. And <laughs> there's no point in introducing logic now. Lorna. Seriously, but she explains judges have to decide on things like this. And as much as she would love for them all to be together, she just doesn't want to get everyone's hopes up too high either. And Jake, the very smart teenage boy, accuses her of making excuses and storms out of the house with his rifle to go hunting. And a very short time after he does, who should show up to the cabin but Sheriff Creepo and his squad to arrest the runaway kids and bring them back to the children's home. I was literally going to say Sheriff Creepy. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is when he goes from, uh, you know, creepy to full on sex predator. Oh, yeah. He even fires a warning shot outside, you know, before going after a group of children. Mm hmm. So Lorna stands in front of the doorway and very gently holds off a young deputy who clearly does not look like he wants to be there right now arresting a bunch of children. Gently, but with meaning, turns him around, tells him, why don't you just go home? And then the sheriff arrests her for assaulting an officer, <laughs> wraps his arms around her waist and carries her into his squad car. And gets creepy, gets fresh. Puts her in the front seat. I don't think I've ever seen anyone get arrested and ride shotgun. I mean, I guess if that well, he did have the truck. I have never been arrested, so I can't really. <laughs> yeah, neither have I. <laughs> Speaking of shotgun, Jake's hiding with his and watching on the outside. As the deputies who really didn't want to take children into custody, take children into custody. Oh, he's not just watching from the outside. He He's ready to shoot people. Yeah, he's ready. He's aiming. He cocks it back. But Mountain Dan lowers Jake's gun and quietly tells him there's a better way. No murder. <laughs> uh, the two meet up with Harry, and we'll catch up with them later. First, 
We meet the proprietors of the children's home, the Applegate sisters, Maddie and Hattie, who are every ornery orphanage matron ever written in anything. Yes. They do not like children, although they run an orphanage. Right. Maddie, get the correspondence file. I got it right here, Hattie. I don't see no sign of any inspection. Oh, that's surprising. Well, it's sort of a surprise inspection, you know, it being Christmas and all. Uh, They have also both played ornery teachers and other things. So Maddie is Jeannie Heppel, who was a teacher in a CBS school break special, also directed by Henry Winkler, starring a drunk driving Scott Baio. Mm. On brand. (laughs) Uh, And Hattie is Linda Hoy, who was Kevin Arnold's homeroom teacher on The Wonder Years. I did not get into that show enough to know this would have been. Oh, I my whole family watched The Wonder Years. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I I recognized her when I saw her. I'm like, she's from something. And when I looked it up, teacher from The Wonder like, Years. Yeah. Uh, they shove the kids inside, but that night we see Dan and Jake trying to figure out how to sneak him out of there. They send in Harry posing as a child welfare inspector who finds out they're splitting up the kids in the morning. So their next move is to go bust Lorna out of jail. But first, let's check in on our favorite witch woman who's going full Snow White now and baking a poison apple pie. To deliver it as an old woman. Yes, just to put some Halloween into your Christmas movie. This scene. Here, kitty. How's this? She's got a boiling cauldron. She drops a frog in it. Get something out of a goblet. Candles are lit on the stairs behind her. There's a black cat. Yeah, it's full on now. This whole scene is so corny, but I like it. <laughs> oh, yeah, same. She then goes to the county jail disguised as an old woman played mm-hmm. by Jean Spiegel Howard, Rance's wife. Aww. So Ron Howard's mother. Yeah. Fonzie okay. bringing in both his pal's parents. Can I help you, ma'am? I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Uh, the uh, the Grinch was dedicated to her, to her memory. Okay, so she is also passed on. She is also no longer with us. Okay. Uh, and while we're making connections, if you remember the fake TV special in Scrooge that you talk about where Lee Majors is in there and he saves Santa, uh-huh. Gene Spiegel Howard was Mrs. Claus. Okay. <laughs> uh, and she was also a librarian in Matilda. Okay. So she shows up at the jail to distract the sheriff by making the police radio put out a fake call about a prison break. And the sheriff blows off the call right in front of this old woman. We we know it's Jezebel, but he doesn't. But, you know, she wants to get him out of there. So she guilts him into actually doing his job with the old, you know, there's an election coming up. Oh, you wouldn't wouldn't want to lose my vote. Pandering, pandering. And out he goes without a word. So into the back goes old lady Jezebel posing as a fan of Lorna's who brings her a pie. She takes a bite and surprise, she's out cold. And a satisfied Jezebel lightning zaps back to her usual self and saunters her way out of there. so sleepy. Well, why don't you just lie down, sweetie? Where her horses are waiting. Yes. And Dan, Jake, and Harry arrive just a minute too late and break through the barred cell window using a rope tied to Dan's horse. 
Uh, at Harry's coaxing, Dan tries to wake Lorna with a kiss, but nope, not here. Not in the real world. You know, the one with magic sleep pastries and witches. So mm-hmm. I, I I did like this part. I thought it was cute because it's like, you know, the, the whole true love's kiss thing is yeah. what wakes up. But it's not. It's true love's like from the boy. It's a different sort of love. It takes a tearful yes. Jake to say sorry and please, Mama, to break the spell. Like his tears fall on her face and her eyes flutter open. It's true love. You'll never know how sorry I am I yelled at you. Lorna? Yeah. I did not plan on doing two specials this season in which a Snow White figure is awakened by the power of love between a parent and child, but here we are. Mm-hmm. And I'm so surprised it took me so long to get it. Because, like, once it hit, my husband was like, uh, this is Snow White. And I was like, what? <laughs> light bulb. A light bulb moment. Yep. Like, it was bright in there. If it wasn't obvious before, it is here with yes. this whole scene. <laughs> I think it works better here. I'm glad it was Jake's love that broke the spell and not Mountain Dan. Right, Mountain Dan's magic Goodness. <laughs> and Lorna's up real quickly when the boys explain the kids are in danger and getting split up. But wait, Jezebel's still here on her horse and stunned that her pie seemingly didn't work. She's now convinced Lorna is a white witch and shouts, You prepare to die! You prepare to die! I was really, uh, honestly, that I was hoping this scene would take a different direction. Like, maybe we would see some kind of zap powers from Dolly Parton's hand. <laughs> that would be fun. You know, it's just right. Like, you got me. Right. I'm a white witch. Like, she didn't realize, oh, I am actually a witch. And, like, you know, lightning bolts. There you it. go. Like, yes. Oh, uh, witch fight. Right. Uh. But to her credit, she's not even phased a little bit. We kind of see her have a light bulb moment and makes a last request to have one more taste of that delicious apple pie. This is galaxy brain level thinking on her toes here. Right. Maybe she is a witch. Maybe. We'll never know. Maybe she's an angel. Totally an angel. But Jezebel says, oh, stop it. Give me that pie. Wonders what she missed. Takes a bite herself and gotcha. It's terrible. Good night, Irene. And all I can think of is Bugs Bunny doing a Wabbit season reversal. Yeah, that was some good thinking on her feet. Oh, yeah. Uh, Anita Morris gives us one last dramatic sleeping death scene and lies down with her arms outstretched. Sheriff later returns after realizing the prison break call was fake, notices Lorne is not there, but somehow misses there's a wall missing. Not just the wall missing, like the wall is like, there's a hole blown in. There's a big hole blown into the wall. How did he miss that? Well, when you're a sex pervert. I guess so. <laughs> well, he knows Lorne is going to try and get those kids from the orphanage, but before he goes after her, he sees Jezebel knocked out on Lorna's cell and says, never, ever wake up that woman. I mean, it's true. <laughs> so let's go rescue some kids. There's... This display downtown of Santa in his sleigh, and they borrow this and show up at the orphanage with Dan dressed up as Santa and Lorna as herself. And Harry explains to the Applegate sisters, hey, Miss Lorna Davis here to give the kids a Christmas show. They don't know who she is because they don't like music. They don't like movies. They don't like anything. Nope. But, oh, we brought Santa, please, for the kids. It's Christmas. And reluctantly, they let in Lorna and Santa to see one child at a time. Little busters first, but Harry and Jake sneak upstairs and free the others. And when the sisters come back upstairs, 
Harry howls like a wolf. Oh, maybe it's uh, the, the, the magic from the woods. <laughs> He's okay. I didn't think about that. Yeah, that was on his mind. No, he's just not as good at thinking on his feet as Lorna is. Right. Or at all. Nope. But Santa Dan restrains the two matrons while Lorna grabs the keys from them and frees the kids in a rather chaotic scene. That's just the short Cliff's Note version of this very quick scene. But they all get out and onto the sleigh, drawn by Dan's horse, only to ride through downtown and get lassoed by the sheriff, who now says, we have a date with the judge. So we end up at the courthouse in the wee morning hours of Christmas Day with a very annoyed judge, and it's John Ritter. Firstly, let me express my deep appreciation at being woken up three hours early on Christmas morning day so I could get to meet Santa Claus, Mrs. Santa Claus, and all the little elves over there. How you doing? Good to see you. This was the biggest surprise for me. I think of all the casting in this, it was like, there's John Ritter. Me too. I totally forgot he was in this. Right. And and it's weird because for being 1986, he looks so much older and younger than he should be. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't know how you're simultaneously both older and younger in this scene. So, yeah, in in John Ritter's career timeline, this is a year after the end of his run on the spinoff Three's a Crowd. Okay. So this is before Problem Child. This is before Problem Child. By a few years. Well before that uh, that last show he was doing. Eight Simple that. Rules. Yeah. yeah. Yes. He, he is the star of this final scene in the courtroom. What about my jail? What about them fugitives? And what about... What about you being quiet and sitting down right now? Can you do that for us? Can you show the kids how a sheriff can sit down right now? <laughs> kids, I think it's going to happen. Let's wait and see. Here it comes. He is now almost, yes, there it is. There is the actual sit itself. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's going to happen, kids. Yeah, and it's like, just be impressed that you got a judge on Christmas Day at like three in the morning. Right. Normally, you're sitting in the pokey for like three hours. Three days. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're not coming in on Christmas. Or the day after. No, but. Maybe on the 27th if it falls on a Monday. but, But I guess John Ritter's amused enough to come on in here. And we're almost done, so I'm going to breeze through this. Number one, the judge recognizes Mountain Dan as the former counselor, Dan. He's a former lawyer. Mm-hmm. He does allude that he is from the big city. Yes. Earlier in the movie, when she first meets him. That's how he knows who Lorna Davis is. And number two, Miss Moneybags Davis agrees to repair the damages of the jailhouse and build a new children's home, putting the sisters out of business. And three, she asks for custody of the kids. And while the kids shout their support for her, the judge is very sweet and patient with them. Gone too soon, John Ritter. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been gone 18 years now. Really? Yeah, it was 2003. 2003. Wow. It does not feel like it should be that long. No, it doesn't. Uh, but Lorna gives us her last little monologue about she, she has no idea if she's qualified to raise these kids, but they filled a void in her life that she didn't know was there. And, and yeah, that's parenthood money. in a nutshell. Yeah, and she has money, so. Well, yeah, also that. she'll They'll be well taken care of. Uh, both Counselor Dan and Harry back her up, and she's granted temporary custody. Lorna and Dan share a kiss because, of course, 
And we close out in the cabin as the kids open Christmas presents. We get one more song called All Wrapped Up in You. Take my hand, take my heart, take my whole life too. Take your time, take my love, it's good and pure and true. Where did they get the Christmas presents? They were kind of making them as we okay. go. And like okay. Cindy gets the dress mm-hmm. that was Lorna's. And she, I think she asked Fred to actually do some sewing for her. So, okay. uh, but that's it. We made it. It was a roller coaster of a, an hour and 34 minutes. This was such a roller coaster. Any final thoughts? Um, I honestly could probably go my whole life without ever watching this movie again. <laughs> it's worth one watch through. It is, it is, because I think you really need to, like, you, you do a great job of describing it, but to understand the complexity of what we're yeah. witnessing. It's um, a lot. It is, it is. You really, I think it's like, you. It, it's a train wreck you have to watch yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, there's definitely an audience for this. It's not hard to find online if you go looking for it, but really... This was an ABC movie. You could put this on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. That would be yeah, a good it, home for it. I wonder if they like. Did you get a really poor quality? Oh yeah. Version? Oh, okay. it was horrible. Yeah, because my husband's like, you know, what's what 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 is this? I'm like, well, it's from a VHS tape from 1986 uploaded to YouTube. So a few I, years ago. I wonder ago. if there is a decent quality version of it out there. Like probably not. Well, it, they did get a VHS release. Okay. And, but but that's it. This one was taped off the TV, you can tell. Right, right. I mean, it wasn't as bad as, say, uh, I think when we watched the Wienerville holiday special and it had the fuzz along the bottom. Oh, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> that was nostalgic. No, this was, that, yeah. That brought back memories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but thank you, April, for taking this trip with me. It was a doozy. It really was, yeah. I mean, like I said, it, it took the number one spot of Unlikely Angel as Dolly Parton's most... Uh, Eclectic movie. <laughs> there you go. Well, April, if people want to hide out with you in a cabin in the woods where no one will know to look for you, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at where to next April. The where to the number two is the two. Um, or on Instagram at Mother Christmas Cosplay. Thank you so much again. This was fun. Yes, thank you for having me. Well, you can find show notes for all the tangents we went on today at adventcalendar.house. You can say hi on Twitter at adventcalhouse. And don't miss another exciting episode in just a couple of days. I'd really pity a fool who'd missed it. Until then, for April Riley, live from my newly renovated open-air jail cell, this is Mike Westfall reminding you to mind the icy patch, watch your speed, And please don't ever accept free baked goods from strangers. Good night, y'all. And now, these messages. Hello, this is Todd Killian from the Christmas Collider Podcast. What makes Christmas special to you? Is it the movies or the music, the food or family, the gifts or decorations? Maybe those quiet moments of reflection. Whatever it is, join me for Christmas Collider a monthly podcast dedicated to everything that makes Christmas special. Visit christmasclatter.com for all social media links 
and find Christmas Clatter Podcast on all podcast apps. Thank you, and remember, keep Christmas hope alive every day. Do you like podcasts about Christmas? Uh-huh. Do you like podcasts about movies? Uh-huh. Well, we have a podcast for you. I'm intrigued. I'm John. And I'm Ben. And we're the hosts of Santa by the Minute. The only podcast that breaks down 1985's Santa Claus the movie one minute at a time. The holiday classic starring John Lithgow. It certainly should be. <laughs> Dudley Moore. Isn't it self-explanatory? I'm an elf. An elf? Yes. And David Huddleston. Hold on tight and don't worry. You'll be as safe here as you are in your own home. You won't want to miss as Ben and I talk about one minute of the movie every single week. Stop! Are you insane? We post a brand new episode every Wednesday, and every episode is... Next time on the Advent Calendar House... Special for the kid and all of us. Mr. T and Emmanuel Lewis in a Christmas dream.